So, John, tell me what it is you're doing these days. Uh, for the last year uh, or so, I've been bartending at the Aaron Rose, uh, which is on Conti Street, uh, right off of Bourbon uh, in the French Quarter. It's a pretty famous bar. Um, they're famous for their frozen Irish coffees, especially. Is that your first, uh, your first job in the quarter? No, actually, I, I managed a restaurant on Bourbon for almost 10 years. Um, now, this is like it's been it's been 15 years since that um but yeah it was a restaurant called ramalad connected with arno's uh, which is a fine dining restaurant any interesting stories you can share about uh your career on the in the restaurant industry yeah i mean there, there's a lot of them uh especially being in and around bourbon street uh you always get some crazies i think the funniest is probably uh i was once uh punched in the belly by a female bartender, a uh, female bodybuilder. Um, she did not want to leave. The, she was being belligerent and I asked her to leave and she just started screaming at me and telling me how I was an asshole and all of this. And I, she's like, just say it, say you're an asshole. I was like, all right, I'm an asshole. You still have to go. Um, and she wouldn't leave. And I don't know, it, it finally got to the point where I, I was just like, pissed off and I, I made some comment to, to her and uh oh well well this is a really funny part is she uh eventually like she took off her sweatshirt and she had a tank top underneath and that's when I realized that she was a female bar bodybuilder and she started uh flexing and doing like bodybuilding flexes and things uh in front of the entire restaurant and the restaurant is quiet at this point because she's yelling at me just screaming the restaurant's quiet. Everybody's paying attention. And uh, finally, I got sick of it. And I uh, said, uh, and this is really mean, but I said, does anywhere, anybody anywhere find that attractive? And that's when she punched me in the belly. I probably deserved it a little bit for that comment. But uh, hey, I got pissed off. Did she leave after that? Uh, she did leave after that, but she tried to come back in a little bit later. And I was like, no, I'll have you arrested for assault. Get out, you know, and she then that got her out but i've also had a horse come into the restaurant before like a police horse um because there was some violence going on right like right around the area and some somebody was fighting in the restaurant and the cop actually brought his police horse through the the doors the doors just swung open and that stopped the fight pretty quickly i can imagine uh any other unruly clients I mean, all the time, man. You, you deal with drunks a lot uh, when you're in the quarter. It's I'm usually really good at lowering any problems. Um, that's one of my skills. Um, I'm I've definitely had to physically. I've I've never had to use a bat, but I've definitely had to bring out a bat in different places that I worked before, and like at least prod somebody away with it. Well, what prompted the transition to? the new job a year ago? Um, so after COVID, I had lost the job I had before. Um, it, it place closed down and they didn't reopen after COVID. Um, so I had kind of been bouncing around. I went and worked at one place on Bourbon Street for a little bit and it wasn't great. It wasn't for me. It was kind of a club type environment and that's not really what I like to do. Um, and then I became kind of a bartender for hire around town. I had only one shift regular a week 
but other bars would call me whenever somebody needed time off or somebody was sick. And so I would just be doing that. And I had some friends that worked at the Rose and mentioned that I was kind of sick of that. I just would rather be someplace. And they were like, actually, we need somebody there. So um, I went in and got hired immediately because I'm friends with the management. Do you have a favorite drink to make? Uh, I love making a PBR and a shot of Jameson. <laughs> the, the Aaron Ruse is kind of a dive bar. And um, it, anytime that it's very fast paced. So anytime somebody asks for like a fancy cocktail, we'll make it for you. Don't get me wrong. We will make it, but it's kind of annoying. It takes away from other people who are just trying to get the frozen Irish coffee is pre-made. You know, we make, we make it in the back, but that we have machines that just pour them out. So those are super easy to pour. It's always better if you're quick in and out, better for us, better for you really, and better for the other customers. Is the frozen Irish coffee a, a privileged recipe? Yeah, yeah. I can't, really, uh, I can't really talk too much about what's in it. I will say it's a brandy base, which is unusual. Um, but uh, it tastes, if you've ever had a Wendy's Frosty and then wish that that Wendy's Frosty had booze in it, that's kind of what the Irish coffee tastes like. I think I need to take a trip pretty soon. But before that... Let's talk about the rest of your life here. So we're going to start at the very beginning and work our way toward going into the service industry at 16 years old. So really, I need to know a little bit more about the, the first 16 years. So tell me, sir, where were you born? I was born in New Orleans. I was born on the West Bank in uh, Algiers. What was life growing up on the West Bank? I was across the river uh, probably a few years later, about maybe 10 years later than you. Yeah. Um, it was it was all right. Um, so Algiers was kind of a definitely a mixed area. Um, there were good and bad areas in, around there. Um, some of it seemed very like where, where you live seemed very much like suburbia, but there was still always violence on the outskirts. What year would this have been? Uh, I was born in 78. So, you know, so early, er, early to mid 80s. OK, yeah. go ahead. Sorry. Growing up there. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I remember growing up, like if a car was going by real slow or something like that, and you're outside, if it was evening time, you would definitely be very careful and a lot of times dive down or run it or somewhere where you were undercover. Because you never knew. Anything crazy ever actually happened or all just suspicion and uh, yeah. maybe overreaction? No, there there was definitely some violence in my uh, early age that I don't really like to talk about too much in public. Um, but yeah, uh, some some stuff happened that was fairly traumatic to me um, when I was fairly young. I think I was probably um, twelve or thirteen when something extremely traumatic happened, and there was death involved. Um, and again, it's not something I really I talk about in public too much, but influenced some of the rest of my life kind of started me uh on my rebellion area because before that i was all straight a student and everything and then that kind of went downhill for a bit well can you fill me in what happened from there i guess until you went to work yeah i mean uh so my father was a river pilot on the mississippi my mom didn't work once she had kids um so before that she worked for i believe it was delta um like check-ins and things like that 
but dad, I actually, my first job before I even started in the service industry was driving my father. As soon as I got my driver's license at 15, he would need somebody to drive him to ports. And then he would take the ship down to another port and I'd have to go pick him up there. Um, sometimes I would come home if it was going to take a while. If it wasn't going to be that long, I would just drive to the new place and wait there for him. We did move to uh, the Mandeville area when I was a junior in high school, and I finished off high school at Mandeville High. Before we get into, uh, into that, can you, what can you tell me about your father's career? Dad was a federal pilot. Um, and so in Louisiana, at least there are state and federal pilots and the federal pilots are the ones that aren't actually weirdly enough because of their name, they're not actually gov government subsidized, subsidized. Um, they kind of have their own company it's like 13 to 15 guys and they kind of split the profits and it's all like a private business. Um, basically their job is taking ship, large ships in from the Gulf of Mexico into the Mississippi and up to Baton Rouge. And that was pretty much their area. How long had he been doing that? Oh, um, for the federal pilots, he worked with them for 25 years, but before that for uh, probably 15 at different other jobs. How did he get into that line of work? It's a family, definitely a family thing. My my grandfather was a, a pilot at first, and then he went into kind of ship construction and worked. Uh, he, my folks are from St. Louis. They're both they both are out of there. Um, but yeah, so he, it's kind of a, there's it's a very nepotistic uh, line of work, wherein it, you kind of almost have to be related to somebody in the industry to get in the industry. It's very difficult otherwise. You can do it, don't get me wrong. There are people who do it, but um, it's hard. Any interesting stories to share about uh, any trips, dropping them off or picking him up? Um, there was this one time where I was again, 15 years old and I go to drop him off or no, I go to pick him up actually at this port that was in, a fairly bad neighborhood of town, which a lot of them are because, you know, some times people don't want to live near ports and it's definitely low income areas. And as I'm going up, it was, there was a huge block party um, on the street. And it's the only way to get to this port that I'm picking them up at. And so I'm basically the only white dude for miles around, you know, and I pull up in my father's Cadillac and this dude's like, what the hell are you doing here, white boy? And I was like, I'm going to pick up a pilot. He's like, oh, you're going to pick up a pilot? No problem, man. Literally moves the entire party to the side so I can get through, um, which was awesome. I mean, people in those neighborhoods, a lot of them work in that industry in some way or another. So you know where your money's coming from and stuff like that. And it was cool to see that. Well, what was life growing up uh, otherwise? How were you in school? I, I was an excellent student until that incident happened when I was a kid. And then I had uh, some issues, definitely. I, I just stopped doing, I stopped caring at all. I stopped doing homework entirely. I just refused to do it. Um, I always tested very well. So I, I still like, you know, never failed anything, but uh, because I could get B's and A's on the tests, but teachers would get very upset because I would just, 
flat out refused to do any homework that they gave me. I'm like, no, that's why I'm in school to learn here. When I'm home, it's my own time, you know? <laughs> and I listened, I'm not, I wasn't a bad kid, you know? Like I listened in class. That's why I did well on the tests and stuff like that. I just refused to do anything outside of school. Um, now, huge reports and projects and stuff like that, of course I would do, but, um, but just regular day-to-day -day homework, no. Absolutely not. In fact, my parents ended up sending me to private school at Holy Cross because of that. Well, I know you said you went to work at 16. Uh, did you attend the college at all? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I went to school at a few different colleges. I started off at UNO, and then eventually I went to SLU, which I think has a different name now. It's Southeastern Louisiana. It's in Hammond. I think they changed their name, but I forget what it is because it was still SLU when I went there. But I eventually went to uh, Northwestern, um, not the good one, the one in Louisiana. Um, and yeah, I, I got a degree in theater there, which I'm using really well. Honestly, I, I feel like I kind of am because bartending is theater in a way. Tell me about your time in college. Did you finish a degree? You said you did yeah. in theater. Yeah, I got a degree in theater. Well, so what happens after college? Did you, when did you end up back in New Orleans? Okay. Uh, well, yeah, after school, I went to, I moved to Austin, Texas for a little bit. And I started a theater company there. Um, it was called Sonov, which stand, stood for uh, Sights on a Vision. Um, my buddy, J.P. Smith, who now goes by uh, Beto O'Burn, and is actually a pretty famous playwright in uh, New York at the moment. Um, but my buddy, J.P. and I started this company and we started doing, our whole thing was we like to do theater that most people didn't do or wouldn't want to do because we thought that a lot of regular theater was kind of dry and boring and overdone. Um, if I have to see one more performance of The Glass Menagerie, just gonna kill somebody. Like, it's horrible. I fucking hate it. Excuse my language, but I really don't like it at all. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we, we um, I think my favorite thing that we did is uh, we, the show C-Lab 2021, I don't know if you've ever seen that, but it's a comedy show that was on Adult Swim. It was a cartoon and it was extremely funny and we just loved it. So we did performances of that. Um, we tried to get permission for it, like tried everything to get in touch with the people at Adult Swim to get the permission. They never gave it to us. So we're like, well, screw it. If they give us a cease and desist, we'll stop doing it. Never did. It wasn't like we were making a lot of money off of it anyway. <laughs> Well, what happened next in your life? So um, the company just kind of, every, there was a few other people in the company and everybody kind of went their separate ways. I ended up, I was doing, I had an improv troupe over there called Damn Dirty Apes, which had a Charlton Heston through line. Would not be okay today, but it was pretty funny back then when he was still alive. Um, but uh, eventually everybody just started going other places and I came back to New Orleans to do a play. I did a uh, Shakespeare, a friend of mine was doing Shakespeare's Twelfth Night as a drinking game. Um, and they lost their Orsino, which is like the male lead. And so he calls me up. He's like, John, I need you. Can you please, I know you could do this. Can you please come down and do the show? So I came down. It was my first time coming down uh, since Katrina. Uh, so it was maybe a year, year and a half after Katrina. I came down, I did the show and I kind of re-fell in love with the city. Um, and I, when I went back to Austin, 
I just decided I'm, I'm moving back. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and go back to New Orleans. And did you find a home in theater or was that a temporary fix? That was really a temporary thing for me. Um, I, I guess I, I enjoy it and I still would enjoy it. But the problem with theater and what I do for a living and what I make actual money at, um, which is um, it's really difficult to rehearse when you're working those hours that most people rehearse. I usually work nights at seven o'clock when most people are doing rehearsals. I'm already at work. I'm already doing stuff. So it was really hard for me to do that. And finally, I just kind of realized that I, I kind of liked eating regularly and having a place to live. Um, so I was like, oh, let me do what I'm good at, you know, like to make money. Well, how did your career behind the bar develop? So when I was at the place Ramla that I worked at, I, I became a manager there fairly quickly um, because I'd been in the industry for a while already. Became a manager there and people would... I had bartended at a couple restaurants before that. And so anytime somebody would call out, a lot of times our bartenders, we wouldn't have a bartender. So I just get behind the bar and bartend while I was managing. And I could manage to do both of those jobs pretty easily. So eventually just decided, you know what? I like bartending more than I like managing. And also I can probably make a lot more money just bartending because the salary that restaurant managers make is usually not very good. Went and called a friend of mine who was looking for somebody and uh, I got my first job as a pure bartender in New Orleans at a place called Sydney's Saloon. Any other interesting New Orleans stories you care to share? <laughs> There's so many, man. Um, it's a weird city, right? Um, it's, it's kind of an odd place to live. There's always something weird going on. Um, I think I remember I used to tell people about the best steak I ever had in my life was at this bar. It doesn't exist anymore, but I'm sitting there, I'm having this steak and I'm like, man, this is really freaking good. It's just like this divey bar. And I'm, I'm like, this is awesome. And then somebody vomits into a like garbage can right next to me. And I was like, ah, that's gross, but this is a really good steak. Just And stuff like that happens a lot down here. Did you go back for more steak? Hmm. You're damn right I finished that steak. It was freaking good, man. Keep those stories coming, man. I'm sure you got some more you can share. Oh, man. I should have thought about these beforehand. Jeez. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, well, I mean, it's not as funny, but it is. Uh, when I was at the place Sydney Saloon, that's in a pretty rough neighborhood. It's in the 7th Ward on a street called St. Bernard Avenue. And when I was working there in the daytime, um all of a sudden glass just shattered into my face luckily i was wearing my glasses because i sometimes wear contacts but luckily i was wearing my glasses so nothing got in my eye and then i realized that people were shooting and bullets were flying through the bar so i yelled at everybody to get behind the bar because that was the safest area you know yell at everybody there's about 10 people in there get them all behind the bar and then um we're, we're all down there and my, the guy who owned the place at the time still has footage of this. I reach, you can see my hand reach up to grab the bottle of Jameson and pull it down so I could just pour shots for everybody while we were behind there. Um, the, we figured out later that 17 shots went through the bar that day. Nobody got hit, even outside, nobody got hit at all. But that first shot dotted the eye in Sydney in the window 
and it was probably about an inch and a half above my head, which was scary. Well, can we end it on a high note? You got any any of the funnier stories? <laughs> Damn it. Um, let's see. What's a good one? Oh, there's so many. Oh, okay. Well, here's a pretty good one. Yeah, my one of my bartenders comes in one day. And she's like, oh, John, I just got back from this crab boil. I was having so much fun. She's like, oh, it was so awesome. I was like, oh, that's awesome, Kat. You know, like she gets to work and she's behind the bar. And eventually she goes to the bathroom and she comes back and she's like, oh, John, oh, John, I didn't wash my hands good enough. And I went to the bathroom and I look at her. And I was like, so uh, what are you saying here, Kat? And she's like, I it's, it's really burning down there, John. It's really burning. I was like, so you're saying your crotch is burning because you had crabs? Is that what you're trying to tell me? That's what I got. The dreams of being a manager. Yeah. Oh, wait, there is something we didn't touch on. Uh, on face, following you on Facebook has been interesting at times where you've uh, documented dreams you've had. How in the world do you recall such specific uh, detail? Um, it doesn't happen all the time that I remember uh, them that well, but when it does, I, I tend to write something down fairly quickly. A lot of times I just put it on Facebook, like, oh, I wake up and I'll be like, man, that was freaking weird. Um, and I'll just write it down. Uh, my dreams are very specific and they're very um, story, like they're stories. And a lot of times they're like movies, even sometimes to the point where I cast them in my brain cast them somehow like it'll just be like different actors and stuff in my brain like it's a very strange thing there's uh there's quite a few of them but um like i think my favorite was the giant space koala uh attacking a, a spaceship and um every time the space koala would attack it would like different people would fly out of the space the spaceship and you would just hear this woman's voice going man overboard man overboard over and over and over again but there are a lot of them there it's it's a very weird thing i think that's just as well a place to stop as any sir okay nice talking uh, to you thank you very much we'll be in touch i appreciate you bud yes sir this has been a production of where you at studios llc